Hey, you, you've heard about the New York Times lawsuit. Well, what is it? The New England Journal of Medicine, Intel, and the Hollywood writer strike mean to you? Do they mean anything? Well, I'm going to say it's all about AI copyrights. Resisting AI copyrights is futile, and why legal expertise is shaping the reform of AI copyrights. This is part three of our series. We edited episodes 10 and 11. We're two of our most popular on copyrights. And what I'm following up is to show you a scenario of how this could turn out, how we could actually turn it around. Because let's look at where we are right now. If you go out and you're looking for bad AI content, you're almost sure to find it. Now that's easy to do because you're looking for it. But if you search, you'll see all these examples of the machinery of SEO pumping out Gen AI content. Meanwhile, you have this big lawsuit for the New York Times, which is really dealing with the fact that there is obviously its own content with multiple examples in there, and they weren't asked for permission, and a copyright protects that. Now, this may seem crazy because some people are like, oh, you shouldn't have copyrights, they limit stuff. But what I'm going to show you is what's happening right now. Where we are starts both from sort of that poor content, that poor use of Gen AI, large language models, most of you know them as ChatGPT, Bard, Claude, etc. Those are not being used to create the great novel, the great poem necessarily. There's some people, but there's a lot in the business sense who just use it. And what's interesting is it's not just the poor usage of Gen AI that leads to this whole copyright muddle. Where we are is also a result of average data. So if you don't know, in the very early days, and I know they progressed beyond this, but basically a lot of the early 2021 kind of data was from this thing called the pile. And those were open sites, open meaning public commons, like the internet is, or can be perceived to be. Now follow through on this, because this is an important point right here. If these are public, if these are not protected and are available to the general public, then fair use could be in play in copyright law. Now, remember on this podcast, I never have been a lawyer. I did go to law school for a year and didn't make it. I am not qualified, but I am good at figuring out how this might impact you both as a content creator, as somebody who has their work out, and as a business using it. So the part average data means the pile like Reddit, Wikipedia, social media, uh, books that were uh, printed prior to 1920 that don't have copyright claims on them was one database. Great to include them, but you know what you can see? That a lot of the things we consider critical to our culture really aren't in the mix, or if they were, there was no permission asked. And that's what makes this copyright thing so bad, because if you're trying to create your own thing with Gen AI, and you go in, there is right now no protection afforded you. So this is why it's interesting. And you look at the New York Times lawsuit that I'll get to later, but put this in your hat and think about it. They aren't even asking for a specific number. It's billions and the, they're in this database. Nobody knows. It's brave new world. And unfortunately, a lot of the law, all the way likely up to the Supreme Court, is going to diffuse this, and that's going to take a couple of years. So where do we go right now and go from this sort of average use of Gen AI, which is not giving us the best because we can't put the best in there because it's not protected? Yet why are these Hollywood-like studios 
and New York lawyers protecting the New York Times, I assume they're from New York, they could be from anywhere, but lawyers protecting this are driving it because now is when the issue comes, why is copyright only limited to human beings? That means that a priori, before we make the decision, we're like, nope, it's not human. Nothing else exists creatively. And quite obviously, there's a lot more going on. So when we go from this idea, it's almost a bias that we're projecting on Gen AI content, and it's not good, and the old ways were better, and everything's good to be a human. And I'm about being human-centric and trust-driven. But the fact is, we are playing the game with AI and that creativity that's coming out is not all mediocre. In fact, I'm going to jump into an example for you shortly about copyrights that are happening. But before we do, think about this from episode 22, when we studied deepfakes with Jason Rogers, he shared with me that there's a thing in criminal justice called the liar's dividend. Because audio and video can be brought into courts, a lot of people will be able to make up anything. And he showed us an example of somebody who made a fake audio that was supposed to be of her husband, but wasn't and was found out. Now, what's interesting about the liar's dividend is that even if that person was found out, let's say it was, quote unquote, legitimate video audio, the other party could say, wait, wait, fake news kind of thing, right? Liar's dividend. No, this might not be true. And there's not tools yet that can detect AI, they're getting much better in image and audio and video, text is a real, real problem. So how does this impact you for copyrights? Well, if somebody is using your content, you have no protection. Now you sort of do, now you can block open AI, they allow you to block their bot from coming. But if I know several people who've had their content taken and searched and found like 20% of the article was something they had written, at least that's their claim. So, what can we do to go backwards? Nothing. Where are we heading? We got to have new AI copyright recognition. We've got to look at this thing differently. And there is human involvement. And what's funny with the liar's dividend, it almost encourages you to go if you want to get a copyright, not to tell them you're using AI, not to be transparent, which is crazy because they can't check to see if it is. Amazon's asking you to tell it when you upload a book. Was it started with AI? sort of AI created versus AI assisted, where if you write it and then have AI help you, that's considered better because again, starts from a human being. Can you see where this copyright gets sort of weird? Well, protecting human effort, that's all it's known. And that's so not the world we're facing, which is why it's hard. New AI copyright recognition. Humans have to be in the mix, of course, but so is the AI. Licensing. This is what the whole New York Times thing is about. You should have paid me. Massive licensing deals that are going to determine why ChatGPT, maybe let's say they work with the Times that they've tried to been negotiate prior to this lawsuit. So likely they're working towards a deal. How does that look? What's that other content? Because you won't be able to get that content on, let's say, Claude or Bard. That's where these licensing deals will impact you, improve the quality of the large language model tremendously, and increase the trust but it's sort of slowing us down in the end. If you just created something with ChatGPT and you posted it, I could take it. I could sell it. I could do anything with it. Anyone can. So what's interesting is we need licensing and this whole world of was it fair use when they scraped without permission, which everyone did. And we're not asking for the world to bend over, but that almost makes it what's called a derivative work. It's a piece of the work. So how do we actually get somewhere that we have some common sense, some faith? Well, 
I want you to go to the New England Journal of Medicine, AI, N-E-J-M-A-I, and take a look at what they're doing now. Now understand, the New England Journal of Medicine has an incentive to protect itself against copyright violations using large language models. Science and research journals are basically saying no to Gen AI large language model content. What was interesting about the New England Journal of Medicine is that when you submit something, they have to prove it. They basically get the copyright to sell this in a very influential journal. So what's so amazing is we're, it's like we're swimming in this sea of copyright has to be human. And here's a major and conservative player, likely with a good legal team, supporting and encouraging the use of large language models. Because scientific research and writing using large language models makes sense. And they say, we've elected to allow the use of LLMs because the standard is the same as for any tool or resource that is used in a substantive way by authors in their scientific work, including, check this out, experimental reagents, animal models, data sets, software systems, or third-party copy editing services. Now think about that. Third-party copy editing services who would do the writing, do the production, much like Gen AI does without necessarily having a human being at the center. But the work will be judged and only a few get into this prestigious journal. So they're doing the judgment, that content that becomes theirs, as I understand it in the publishing, they own it, they have the copyright. They will be applying for the copyright and certainly being very smart people, they understand that this is not getting in the way of good, bad science or anything or bad research. In fact, what they, they just put up two basic rules that you have to follow to get in the New England Journal of Medicine. And first, you got to be transparent. The use of LLMs is appropriately acknowledged by the authors. Remember, they think about it like a tool. Number two, the authors will be completely accountable for the correctness and originality of the work. Check their resources. You, you put something in that's not true, you'll obviously be punished. But with those two tenets, they're able to actually let the science and research efforts continue and to be augmented, to be helped by AI. Now, what's interesting, if you compare that to like the case of, let's say, Sports Illustrated and CNET. This is Sports Illustrated Reviews. And this person is actually Gen AI. Both the image and the description of this person is not real. And this was found throughout the site. But what's interesting is since we have this human focus that only human content is good and anything with Gen AI not only is not good, but you can't even protect it. This is where the first P is being pliable. Pliable to work with what the New England Journal of Medicine is adapting. So being pliable doesn't mean necessarily what Sports Illustrated is doing is bad, but they're hiding it. CNET has the same thing. They put out people, sort of fake people, avatars, you could say. None of this is like some big, deep conspiracy, but it brings you to think about something very simple. This is freaking people out whenever it comes from Gen AI. So it almost incentivizes CNET 
And Sports Illustrated to sort of dance around, I won't call it the liar's dividend, it's not that much, but sort of the avoidance dividend. I don't want to talk about it. There's no encouragement to be transparent or be accepted. They're being judged. And you may say the copy's bad and things like that, but this is an example where copyrights come in because now almost like using Gen AI is almost outlawed and can't be protected. I mean, just think about that. Any picture you create, anything you create can literally be taken by others. So it's fine if you're having fun and just doing things, but what if this is actually your livelihood? Where about the great works of art that just can't live in that sort of free world where anyone can take them and do what they want? That's what's really getting interesting. So using an LLM, according to New England Journal of Medicine, does not absolve one of the responsibility to write well and to avoid plagiarism. When I looked at the New York Times lawsuit against OpenAI, Richard Tofel says a Supreme Court decision is essentially inevitable. Some of the publishers will settle for some period of time, including still possibly the Times, who is, by the way, in negotiation with OpenAI prior to this, but enough publishers won't. So what he's saying is what the basis of this episode is, how resisting AI copyrights is futile, why legal expertise is shaping the reform. The first part is being like the New England Journal of Medicine and acknowledging that this is a part of the process and that by judging it in a competition, it will have to be more than you could just get out of ChatGPT. Now, the next thing that's really happening is with this New York Times. What you'll see is that their suit against OpenAI and Microsoft involves copyrighted work, involves work that was pretty much verbatim part of the response, like literal sentences and things, numerous examples that were influenced, and obviously this will have to come out. This is all alleged. Now, OpenAI was going under the idea of fair use, public systems, things, public commons, and going to much more lawyerly thought on that, but that this was a fair use, which is allowed. But because it's doing something so different, that's not defined, it's almost inevitable that will go to the Supreme Court. But what this helps us do is actually create licensing, responsibility for the content up front. So it's funny, even though the lawyers are shaping it, it will take time. This is so important because this defines for you how your content can be protected and what will happen. What if this is your livelihood? What if it matters? So again, it, but it comes to that keyword, second P is permission. Permission to use my content. And that sort of, I won't call it a sacred trust, but it went far. And whoever advised people to even scrape the New York Times, scraping is when they send out bots very simply and gathers up the content through various JavaScripts and other ways that they do it, okay? And they got amazing, this is why it's so brilliant and it hasn't even really tapped what we have as humanity, believe that. But by doing that without asking for permission and saying it's sort of in the public good, when this becomes a $100 billion business, you can see why New York Times is probably trying to get a good licensing deal with them or someone else. Your content is part of their business ongoing. So that permission is not only central going forward, you're going to see people be very permission-based to use their content and start respecting it. Now, the third P of AI copyrights is protection. We're trying to find ways to actually protect work that you have so that these databases and large language models can't just take them. Images, audios, videos, and text. 
And one of the examples that's really interesting is coming out of Intel. And see this example right here, because it's really actually quite simple. What they do is that you as the creator of this in Photoshop or whatever tool that you use or built in are able to set, I think it's about five levels so that if somebody shares your image, they can see the original image, which you'll see on the left. Okay, top row, these are all the original images. And as we scale down, these are less protected. And you'll start seeing here, the face is getting distorted. They get sort of merged so that the person isn't getting the work. And at the bottom, it totally messes with it. This is how, by the way, it speaks to the large language model. This large language model is looking to bring things together and make things similar. And this is almost, it's called an adversarial approach, but it's really putting up the thing that it won't like and basically getting your content dismissed and out of ChatGPT or anything else that you don't want unless you give them permission. This would be actually embedded into the actual file so that you wouldn't have to do anything. Like it's called MAMC. And it aims to learn how to confuse diffusion models. So here's one on the left and the output has different colors and it puts the smiley face on top of the robot's head. So in other words, it changes it up. This is a protective level. This is very early, but what they're trying to do is embed something like a watermark, or in this case, if you notice the output is not allowed because the artist said no. So it puts it in control of the people, the artists, and it's a really fascinating view that Intel and this team at Intel is trying to do, because consider it, you've got to take these works that are now going to be done things that five, 10 years ago, there were people who understood it, but not at the level there is now. And it's happened so fast and without permission that that protection feels lost, that we created this thing and it's for us. Now, what's really interesting and really blew my mind is that brings it right back to the writer's strike. And the writer's strike in Hollywood. And one of the quotes from the article says, the contract does leave room for studios to train AI using pre-existing material. WGA's original proposal, this is for the writers, which triggered the strike would have disallowed studios from using any materials. Now, what's really fascinating about the Hollywood writer's strike, this is another example, just like the New England Journal of Medicine who obviously have copyright issues, control, that's what they do for a business. So they're saying, yes, we can work with it. Hollywood's a little different because writers are feeling like they're gonna be left out of the loop. And honestly, that seems very clear that that's gonna happen. But let's bring it back to what matters to you because these issues, far from being settled, will probably allow the lawyers for all these entertainment firms, which is gonna happen wherever it comes from, we're going to some big level to say, hey, we want to be able to work with Gen AI, and it's not all just human. They're probably likely going to use it for existing content that they own that they can then take and rework, depending on the arrangement, which this is all new, but they can actually take that existing material. But would they reward the writer who back in the 80s or 90s sold them that and sold it for good, not knowing this world would be there? These are questions that is why we have a legal system and why lawyers are not only leading the way, we're almost having to follow the lawyers because just like the New York Times, we don't want people taking our content without it being asked for permission. And in their case, a licensing or a business deal being made. 
And that's the fourth and final P, precedence. Law needs precedence. Things that happened before, legal decisions that were made before. And this one is wide open because there's rules, copyright rules, which are all based on humans doing this. And where do we go to resolve it? So we're going to go in legal systems. The lawyers are all over. But just consider this. New England Journal of Medicine. Intel. Um, and, of course, all these Hollywood studios and anyone in entertainment publishing. All these people with masses of content. Not only is it far from settled, somebody is going to have to set a precedent or there's going to have to be some ruling that we can all apply to. And that's why likely, especially in the New York Times case, the Supreme Court is almost guaranteed because this is just a whole new paradigm that legal systems need to be created for. So we're all sort of in the interim at the mercy of the lawyers, at the mercy of maybe even seeing a liar's dividend where why would you tell the truth about your AI if it wouldn't get you a copyright, knowing that right now nobody can check it? I'm not encouraging that. Hey, we already see the way people use this. It's really, really interesting to sort of evaluate that we're really swimming in this sea of a priori, meaning pre-existing views being imposed upon the world that we live in like right now. See, generative AI, it's transforming things, but there's a lot of legal challenges going on. And this impacts what we all do could really, if it went really bad, could make the content coming out of them much worse and slow it down, which obviously nobody wants. And it goes around intellectual property and privacy. What do I get for what I create? How do I get rewarded? How do I get asked for permission? So the New York Times lawsuit shows that we need clear licensing agreements that you don't just go after and scrape. And, and they're all dealing with this as it is. But make formal licensing deals. And we're going to start seeing what the costs are, what the benefits are, how these companies get deals done. Ensuring that AI technologies and copyrighted materials are used, but also made accessible so people can actually get them. Because it's very dangerous right now that we can't reach some of this stuff. Then we have the New England Journal of Medicine, which is an AI permissions framework, giving clear guidelines. And then Intel's model, the MAMC, offers a unique approach. Content creators protect their work from unauthorized AI replication. And there's other systems. Adobe's doing them. Okay, we can probably protect the visual and the audio but it's really hard. So addressing these challenges, you're gonna to have to have a multi-pronged approach. We gotta have good licensing. We've gotta have an AI copyright that doesn't just involve human beings. We need to be able to have that recognized. Maybe when people go through the AI process, all those steps, prompts, will show the level of human involvement because that's really the key. They don't just want you to type in some words and get something for free. It has to show some creativity. How do we measure that? We're better than this. We can measure it. And the permission-based approach not only works to give protection, but it makes you feel like what you're creating has meaning at least to you. So what do you think? AI copyrights are so crazy. I think resistance is futile. I know they're going to happen. Love to hear what you think is going to happen because your prediction is as good as mine. Until next time.